starting a new series that I'm, I'm excited about. Some of you might not be, but you should be. We're, we're going to be um, preaching the good news to women. Amen. Come on, yeah. Because we're approaching Mom's Day, right? Mother's Day, in case you guys don't know that. Mother's Day is on its way, right? Make plans, buy gifts, do all that stuff. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to honor the women of God. And, and we're doing a series directed to them. But this series is not just for women. It's for our church. Because we want a strong, healthy, powerful church. Right? And this, 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 this is a series also for husbands. Because we want radiant wives, don't we? We want powerful, strong, godly, radiant women. Amen? Amen. And it's, it's, it's for parents that want happy families, right? Man, I, I tell you what, you get around some families and you find out they're Christians and it looks like their whole life is just drenched in lemon juice, you know? It, you know, oh, this is getting off subject, but there was a, there was a, a movement that, that was around a couple, um, well, 10 years ago or so, uh, Promise Keepers. You remember that? And one of the things that really stuck out to me um, what Promise Keepers was, it wasn't really about, keep, it was keeping seven promises that they outlined. It wasn't just being, keeping your promises. It was, there were seven, seven promises. But anyways, um, one of the things that they said is that uh, um, you, you can't call yourself a promise keeper according to you know, those seven, seven promises. He says, your wife has to be able to call you a promise keeper. See, it doesn't matter what, what men say about themselves. If their families say something different, you're a hypocrite. Amen? Amen. This is a series for our sons. This is a series for our daughters. This series is to stop the many lies that we have been told so that we might all enjoy the abundant life that has been offered to us all through Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed to His Father that we all might be one just as they are one. That's what this series is for, so that we might be one. Amen? See, for me, I have a per personal interest in this. I am a father of four. I have all boys except three. And... Yeah, that's right. I'm a father of four. I have all boys except three. Right? <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we live in a time in a country where my daughters, they can be an astronaut. They can be a surgeon. They can be a lawyer. They can be a CEO. They can be an entrepreneur. Not manure. Entrepreneur. <laughs> entrepreneur yeah they can start things and do things right they can be a firefighter they can be an airline pilot they can be president of the united states they can be a stay-at-home mom right they can do just about anything they can do anything that they desire as long as they don't desire to preach teach or pastor a church Well, that's not totally true. I, mean, I guess 
They can pastor a Methodist congregation, but not a Baptist one. They can be superintendents in an Anglican church, but not an archbishop in a Catholic church. As for teaching behind the pulpit or leading men, well, that all depends, doesn't it? Women and church government have had a complicated relationship, even though research shows us the following. Research shows us that women pray more. It shows that women attend church more often. It shows that women serve more in the church. And it shows that women are generally more spiritual than men. This is the church universal. Our church is special. Because our men and our women love God. They serve in extraordinary percentages. Right? Amen. But this is, this is, the, this is the pulse of the body of Christ. Especially in America. If you have been in church for any, any period of time, you have, have heard strange things concerning women, right? Things like women must stay silent in church. Women were created to serve men. Divorced women are sinners. Women who remarry are sinners. Women who don't marry are odd. Childless, child, childless women are not fulfilling God's plan for their lives. Women are more easily deceived by Satan. Women can teach children, but not men. A woman must submit to her husband in, in all things, even if he's abusive. Women are equal as long as they do what they're told. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, message like the, with a message like this to our women, it, it, it boggles my mind that women attend church at all. And like I said, if this, this issue is not obvious to you, try substituting the word woman with any other group, like handicapped people are sinners, or brown-haired people must keep silent in church, or whites were created for the sole purpose to serve all other races. Get the point? I mean, hopefully, you would never say such things. We never say such things here at Karis New Testament Church. But the problem is, is that because of religion and because of these traditions, it somehow is implied. And I think that it it's actually hinders. It hinders women from becoming everything that they were created to be in Christ Jesus. Right? Because this stuff is nonsense. Sexual discrimination is found throughout all areas of life. But what makes it so evil when it's found in the church is that it comes wrapped in twisted scriptures. See, the Bible says that women can't preach, teach, or lead. Actually, the Bible says no such thing. The husband is the head of the home and the wife's role is to serve in him and to raise his children. Guess what? The Bible does not say that either. For too long, misguided men have crack, cracked the whips 
of Scripture to keep women in their place. It's time for the women to be set free. Amen? Enough is enough. For too long, women have been rendered voiceless by religious culture that treats them as second-class citizens. It's time for men and women to start speaking up. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, if you do, do your church history and you, and you see what the church has done, um, the church has been the strongest champion for women throughout history. Right? It has done this by opposing polygamy, incest, and underage marriage. It has promoted women's education, caring for widows and orphans, being a voice for women in the womb, and proclaiming dignity of every person, for we all are created in the image of God. The church did this while the pagan world, and we're seeing it today. We see a war on women today in our culture. We have a justice, Supreme Court justice, that cannot even tell you what a woman is. The war on woman, women by the satanic world is not over. It's time for it to be over in the church, though. Right? If you think, look through human history and, and, and the pagan world, and the, they attacked women with every injustice and depravity known to man. The church was a refuge and hope for a better future. So the church, we do have a track record that we can be pleased with. But it's time that we go farther. Because do, do, do women enjoy the same opportunities as men in the body of Christ? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, look what this says. It says, And he gave some apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Studies again show that women make up more than half of the church. But account for less than 10% of senior leaders. This scripture, was this written to less than half of the church? Only 10% of leadership is made up of women. Why is that? In the church, women are allowed to minister allowed to minister a hundred different ways. They can be on a worship team, right? They can minister the children's ministry. They can cook the potluck dinners, but we don't allow them to lead. In the Catholic Church, women lay ministers are common, but women priests are not. In the American Protestant Church, only nine percent of senior Pastor, uh, Protestant pastors are women. Churches, church surveys reveal that women 
feel called to lead in equal numbers as men. So that's saying that there's a call by God on their life equal to the amount of men that are called by God. Yet senior male leaders outnumber women 11 to 1. See, God distributes His gifts liberally to all. But for some reason, the priesthood is a men's only club. We have forced over half of the body of Christ to lower their expectations of what God has called them to do in their lives. Think about that. Think about that. Half of the body of Christ is not living to their full potential. It appears that the church is saying that God's call on a woman is less important than His call his same call on a man. If a woman desires to be faithful to God's call and and what He has called her to do, they can expect opposition in the form of religious tradition. I mean, the most most recent woman that that I remember got attacked greatly was Joyce Meyer when she started becoming mainstream. And how many of us in here have been touched by her ministry? Women are told they can share, but they can't preach. Women can speak in small groups, but not large ones. Women can serve coffee, but not communion. Women need a husband or some sort of male covering. And in some circles, you better not wear pants, shorts, or makeup. If a woman breaks the rules, they are marginalized, and we call them a what? Jezebel. So what's your view? Now, that, now getting into this, I'm just laying the groundwork. We're going to get into to the Scriptures throughout this series deeply, and we're going to um, bring revelation on a lot of misconstrued and twisted twist twisted scriptures, but we got to understand where we're at today, right? See, we hold views, we all hold, hold views, even our women hold views about themselves and in the church, and what, as far as what they can and what they can't do, and your answer to these questions of what a woman can and can't do, it, it, it defines your bias, Many think that our biases are informed by Scripture, but often it's the other way around. We come to the Bible wearing lenses already of what we think the Scriptures say, and we, and we look through those lenses, and that determines what we see. Here are three lenses or perspectives the church has towards women. Now, these are words that I don't use, so forgive me. First is a hierarchical view and this view says that women are inferior to men this view was taken from theologians who said that women were created in the image of men rather than god the following was taken from the fourth synod of carthage since she is inferior by design 
A woman's role is to serve her husband, and she can never lead. A woman, no matter how learned or holy, may not take upon herself to teach in the assembly of men. The second is a complementarian view that says women are equal in value, but unequal in role. In the same way a child is equal, an equal human being, but they're subordinate to the parent, a wife is subordinate to her husband or church leaders. This view differ, differs from the previous that it affirms the equality of women, but it reinforces those stereotypes about men being natural-born leaders. Tell Jonah of Arc that. In this view, some governing and teaching roles within the church are restricted only for men. And then the third view is the egalitarian view that says God made men and women equal in every way. They are equal in value and equal in role. This view says since men and women were given joint responsibilities to rule over creation, both can lead. This is not to deny the difference between genders or to suggest those differences are unimportant, but to recognize that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service leadership in the home, church, and in the world. So which one are you? Look at this following scripture. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, says that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one in Christ Jesus. There is no division in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't, ma it doesn't matter if you're rich, it doesn't matter if you're poor. We are equal in Christ. We are equal in Christ. This is the one place in all the world that everybody comes in. And there's no super dupers. We're all super dupers. Right? It doesn't matter if you are the vice president of the United States or you're the one that cleans the restroom for the vice president of the United States. In the body of Christ, you're equal. You are one. Singular. So if we are all one, singular in Christ, what does this next scripture imply? In Revelation 5, verse 10, it says, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Is he only talking to half of the body of Christ here? No, because we're all one in Christ. So it doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Greek. It doesn't matter if you're male. It doesn't matter if you're female. You were made a royal priest 
in the kingdom of God. And if we are all one in Christ, then we are all one in the promises of God, in the declarations of God, in the, her- the heritage or inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. So what makes a kingly priest and a woman a queenly priest? See, a man is not a king because he lords over others and vanquishes foes, nor is he a king because a woman kowtows to him or his children fear him. A man is a king in the kingdom of God because Jesus Christ, the King of kings, makes him a king. A woman is not a queen because her husband treats her well or because men fear sexual harassment lawsuits. A woman is a queen because her kingly father has made her so. As a child of the Most High, you are royalty. You are a queen and a priest. So let's look at this royal invitation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves in the earth. See, in the beginning, it's interesting, and we're going to get into this more as we unravel this stuff. It's interesting that God's perfect will is seen before the fall of man. But for some reason, we base our view on each other on what God pronounces would happen because of the fall. Are we still under the curse? So why would we allow the cursed to rule over how we see one another in the body of Christ? I know, that's a good point. So, so in the beginning, God made everything, and the last thing he made, the climax of his creation, was woman. And when Adam seen her, he went, whoa, man! But that's how she got her name. You didn't know that, did you? So why did God make woman? It was not to be servants for God nor man. You, you weren't created to be a servant. Do you understand that? God does not need servants. God is holy. He's complete in and of himself. He needs nothing from no one. Do you understand that? We need God. God doesn't need us. See, what God planned for you was something far more glorious than what you've been told. Here in this passage of Scripture, we see that women and men were created by God. Neither are an accident or an inferior product. You are one of a kind masterpiece. Don't ever think that you are the wrong shape, color, or gender. To despise one's own self is to despise the creator that made you that way.
You are fearfully and wonderfully made by a creator who only makes good things. Not only are you made by God, but you were made in his image. There is a touch of the divine in you. There's a, there's a, it, it's, you are God-like. You're not God, but you're God-like because he created you in his image. You're unlike animals. The world does not know this. We are not like animals. We're not equal with animals. I know you love Fufu, whatever your dog's, Fido or whatever your dog is, and you call them your kids, but they're not a kid. They're not a kid. You wouldn't throw yourself in front of a car to save your animal, but you would for your child. We are not like animals. You are spiritually, intellectually, and rational human being. You, you have a creative streak inherited, inherited from your heavenly Father. This is why humans are capable of making the most extraordinary things, from songs to skyscrapers to spaceships. Why did God make you? Listen to this. This is so important. This is why God made you. And you should spend all your days unpacking this truth. You were made to be an object of your Father's love and affection. That's why you were created. You were created to be loved. You might not know this, but this is true. This is the truth. The only reason we were created was to be loved by God. See, God is love, and love requires expression. Think about this. You're here because God wanted you in this universe. He wanted you in this universe. You have been called by God to be fruitful, to rule over the earth. Now, I know this sounds good, but what does this mean, right? Here in Genesis, it's a little vague, but as we go through the Scriptures and God unveils this kingdom that He is building, the prophets and the psalmist reveals more and more pictures of this kingdom that is to come, that has come in Christ Jesus. And Genesis just gives us a little hint. He says, to fill the earth, to reproduce, to recreate, raise family, train disciples, impart, and to equip. Both husband or man, male and female. This was before the fall. Two children was never going to be enough for a father with a God-sized capacity for love. The bigger the family, the better. Fill up this earth. Now how are we going to bear fruit and fill up the earth? We do it in partnership. We do it in partnership. See, for too long, the, the, the church has not been in partnership. In full capacity of partners. Equal partners. Male and female in the body of Christ as partners. 
Notice that God blessed them and spoke to them. Them. It wasn't just to Adam. It was to them. Some of God's richest blessings are found in the experience, in, in experience only through partnership. This is missed much in our culture that is a me-first mindset. I mean, we even see marriages nowadays that go in with me-first. If you don't meet my needs, then I have no need for you. See, the cost of in, uh, independence Spirit, independent spirit, and an independent lifestyle is often loneliness and barrenness. God said it's not good for man to be alone. In this, he is declaring that we need one another. We need another one another, especially if we're going to be fruitful and multiply. God blesses us in our partnership, and the result is we bear fruit and fill the earth. Partnership is God's way. Have you ever noticed that some of the greatest characters in the Bible were partners? You have, you have Moses and Aaron. You have Deborah and Barak. You have Naomi and Ruth. Peter and John. Priscilla and Aquila. David and his mighty men. You had Paul, had Barnabas, Luke, Timothy, Silas, and others. Jesus had the 12 disciples. The Bible is not so much a book of, of me, it's a book of we. The body of Christ is many members in partnership. See, biblical kings understood this partnership. Look at what King David said. In Psalms 133, verse 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Partnership. Look at what King Solomon said. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, Two are better than one because they have a good re reward for their labor. For if one, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to whom who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lay down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken and then we have king jesus that said in matthew chapter 18 verse 20 for where two or three are gathered together in my name i am there in the midst of them partnership the church is all about partnership god is all about partnership even in the creation story we see partnership we see let us make man in our image who is the us who is the r huh it's god god has always been in partnership do you understand this father son and holy spirit he's always been in partnership so in partnership god made a pair of partners right God made a pair of partners, and those partners made more partners. In the long line of partners, we find you. So that is proof that life comes through partnership. Right? As in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. God designed you to connect with, to Him in partnership so that together you might release His blessing and life-giving 
giving power to others. See, Adam and Eve were created in koinonia partnership. And the church was birthed in, in koinonia fellowship. The freedom to know and to be known. To, to give and to receive. The power to love and to be loved. Koinonia is the blessing of togetherness. And it comes right from Genesis 1 when God says, and God blessed them. Amen. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. These words are God's invitation to live a life that we were made for. This is why we were created. This is the life that God created for us. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We have always been destined to reign, but it only happens through partnership. So, what does partnership look like? God says it looks like a man and a woman joined to each other in a special arrangement called marriage. Two becoming one. Two people, one partnership. And I tell you a great mystery that I speak of Christ and the church. This grows into families, it grows into tribes, it grows into nations. Every one of us is called into divine partnership, living in union with Christ as a healthy and active member in His body. As we abide in Him, we bear fruit. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. See, it's all this partnership together. Why all this talk about partnership? Because God's plan for the first man and woman is the same plan He has today. The same plan for you. The same plan for me. God has not changed. We were born to rule and reign. To be the head and not the tail. And to walk this world with the affirmation of our Creator who loves us. This plan is for all of us regardless of our race or gender. Before the fall, when God, God's will was untarnished, we see no limits on, on what women can do or can't do. Right? Before the fall, there is no limit put on woman. The sky was the limit. God Almighty invites women to rule the earth. There is nothing they can't do. Amen? So in this series, we're going to examine a lot of Scriptures. Scriptures that have been used to counterdict, counterdict the, the Creator's claims of what He truly intended for partnership and what he intended for the church and what he in, intended for women. They seem to contradict it, but they do not. We will see that, that these 
that contrary to religious tradition, these scriptures reinforce God's invitation for us to walk into partnership with one another. See, God never intended for men to rule over women or for our daughters to be treated anything less than queens. We were created equals, male and female, to rule over in a royal partnership in the earth. So if that's God's plan, what went wrong? How did we get to where we are today? Well, that's what we're going to find out next week. Amen? Do you, guys, do you see this? Do you see? I hope that Holy Spirit is, a, is giving you the revelation of that declaration that God made over man and male and female was equal. And it wasn't until the fall when sin entered that God did not say, now this is going the way it's going to be. He says, because of sin entering the world, this is the way the world will be. And we have lined up our understanding with the curse rather than the blessing. And it's why it's, the church has been hindered. And it's time for the church to be free. And it's time for women to be free. And listen, men, you really got to check your heart if you think that us elevating women to the rightful place somehow devalues you and lowers you. You, you, you really got to seek God if that's the way that you feel. We're seeing this more and more in, in, in our culture where we can't celebrate people's success. We can't celebrate people's blessing. We can't celebrate people's breakthrough because somehow by celebrating them, it makes us feel worse. That's, that's nonsense. It feels like when we, that we raise someone up that we, somehow we are pushed down. That's so unbiblical. That's so, un- that's so ugly. And I'm telling you, where we are in culture right now, you can see the women of God rising up. Some of the, the, the most table-turning-over table women in, in the house and the center right now are women. And they're looking for ways to get rid of them. The ones that are speaking up at school boards are women. The, 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 women, the amount of women that are running for political office. And we as the church, we, we need to support that. We need women to rise up within the body of Christ. And I believe that, that when you clearly see God's design and God's purpose as partners in this earth, it will radically transform this body and those that you get around because you won't be able to contain it. You're going to have to preach the gospel to women, to all the women around you, because it's time for them to be free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for your plan that you created us for us to love. You created us to be loved by you and for us to rule and reign in this earth in partnership with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the revelation of your word. We thank you for the revelation of the true nature of God. We thank you for the revelation of the church and the body. We thank you for the revelation of male and female. We thank you that you are knitting us together as one. And that it will empower us to do more than we were ever able to do when we were crippled before. Father, we thank you for the blessing that you have put on male and female. To be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion and reign in this earth. We receive that blessing as we reign over our own lives. As we reign over our families, as we reign over our finances, as we reign over our, our homes and our communities. We thank you that we have been blessed by you to be fruitful, to multiply, and take dominion over the kingdom of darkness in partnership with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.